0: Good morning. Before I have you stand to read the scriptures, a uh, couple of things. No, I, I before I have you stand. <laughs> I mean, you can you can just keep standing if you want, but right? <laughs> it's like I just said how how many weeks and and Garrett told me he already said that, so I was asking him. Whatever. All right. Uh, sidewalk counseling training. It's going to be Friday and Saturday, December second and third, with Tiny Heartbeat Ministry, coupling uh, joining another ministry. And often, this sidewalk counseling is the last line of practical defense to save the unborn, and it, and it, and it does that. So I'm going to encourage you to go to the table, get more information on that. Also, on the perspectives class, I, I actually took that class when it first came out, Ralph Winters, I believe his name is, way back. And it is, it is an incredible class as far as getting a heart, understanding of missions. So, if you're visiting new or new to Calvary, uh, we put a prioritized emphasis on going through the Bible, teaching the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. I count it a tremendous privilege as far as, and also a tremendous responsibility, to teach the whole counsel of God. We're just going to go through it and let the Holy Spirit do the do the do the work that He does through the Word of God. So, if you're here and you're new and you don't have a Bible, if you just raise your hand, we'll get you a Bible and you can keep it uh, if you want. Our gift to you such an important, the most important book that's ever been around. So um, would you stand as we read? We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 22, part 3, Faith in the Promises of God, Abraham. We've been on it a couple weeks. This is our final week. So in Hebrews 11:17, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. You open them up. It says here, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Verse 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the joints and marrow the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And, Lord, as we're looking at this whole area of your testing us, being tested, So, Lord, may the Word of God do the work. The things I prepared, break them fresh, that we may receive from you the engrafted Word that is able to save our souls, is able to change us from glory to glory. And, Lord, we we look to you as the author and finisher of our faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Give us ears to hear, I pray. Give us hearts yielded to you, wills yielded to you, that you might be able to take our lives to, the, to a height and depth and width and length we would have never known except by knowing you and loving your word. So bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So Abraham, faith in the promise of God. We might add the other three, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Faith in the promises of God. So we've been looking at this now. This is our third week. Abraham went out. He went out in the direction of obedience to God. We're going to talk about obedience a little bit today. Abraham waited. He waited for a city God had promised to build. He waited for a child God promised to birth, and he waited with a confession that God promises better for us. The scriptures, Pastor Charles Stanley wrote, the scriptures contain many stories of people who waited years or even decades before the Lord's promises came to pass. What modern believers can learn from the patience of biblical saints like Abraham, Joseph, David, and Paul is that waiting upon the Lord has eternal rewards, unquote. Abraham now is tested. That's where we'll be this morning. God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Patience waits for it. Hope anticipates it. Another quote from Andrew Murray. A readiness to believe every promise implicitly, to obey every command unhesitatingly, as we'll see Abraham, to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God is the only true spirit of Bible study, so Lord help us this morning to receive the Word. So, if you have been a Christian talking about testing, if you've been a Christian for even a short time, you you know at least in a little way the trials, the test that test the confession of your faith in God. God tests His people, and always for our good. In Deuteronomy eight two, you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, that you might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 13, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. False teachers are God's testings of his true people. So this, these false teachers, and there are many I could name, but we need to understand something. They are out there, and God allows them us to hear these things to see what is really in our hearts, Job put it this way. Look, I go forward, but he is not there. And now you talk about someone who was tested. Here's Job wrestling through his testings. I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him, God. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as goal. In other words, Job said, I don't know what's going on here. I can't see God, I can't hear God, but I know he knows the way I take, and when he's tested me, I will come forth as goal. What a promise. In, in James chapter 1, Verses you're probably familiar with, some of you. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into what? Various trials. Really? Yes, really. All joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, God tests us for our good. He tests us for our growth. First Peter, in this you greatly rejoice, though now... For a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, intense, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials to try you, as though it's some strange thing. Peter says that also. In Romans... And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In these testings, in these trials, in these tribulations, God is working to produce certain things. And those things, he says there, through the Holy Spirit, the love of God becomes more and more manifest to us through these things. Now, I've said this before. I wish it said tribulation produces character. It doesn't say that. Tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. It's a work God is doing in our lives through testings. Therefore, we do not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart. Though the outer man is perishing, the inner man is renewed day by day while we don't look at things that are seen. So this testing of God, this testing of our faith is for our good to humble, to prove and to know in our minds and in our hearts that we have a genuine relationship with God. To know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent, tested. To be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. How? Through testing. Through God working in our lives. Testing purifies our faith in truly loving the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Testing proves the genuineness of our faith. Am I the real deal with God? And if I'm not, as difficult as it may be to acknowledge it, I want to know that. How about you? This is what testing does for us. Testing produces perseverance, patience, and character. Testing, listen, testing prepares us for glory. So to these things, we might say, bring it on. However, as we know, once we have gone through testing, once we've had to face the truth about ourselves, what is really in our minds and really in our hearts, the depravity of our fallen sinful nature, it's a difficult pill to swallow, these testings that God brings our way in order to refine our faith. And so it's no wonder that God has filled his word. He's filled the Bible with a ton of real-life experiences, real-life examples with instructions and encouragements to have patience, to persevere, to not lose heart. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Jeremiah said this. Many of you know the scripture very well, this verse, 17, 9. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. It doesn't stop there. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, interesting, the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Now, it's a good thing that God does for us. Psalm 139, love that psalm. We memorized it at church several years ago. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That's how he starts the psalm. And then he goes on in six verse uh, groupings God knows me intimately, and I can know him intimately. God is with me continually, his omnipresence, and I can be with him continually. God created me wonderfully. And I can wonder in awe of my creator. God will keep me eternally and I need not be afraid. He ends the psalm with this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He promised to complete the work he began in us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of these things and a whole lot more. And with these things in mind, we can say, bring it on. Oh, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to seek to do the things that you're calling me to do. So for this morning, we have three reminders to our faith as we're being tested. My outline. First of all, the love of God who promises the Father reminds us. Secondly, the sacrifice God promised, the Son reminds us. Third, the blessings God promises, the Spirit reminds us. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are at work in our lives as believers through testing to bring forth these character changes, these depths of relationship with God that we as believers long for. So Abraham was tested. The testing of Abraham is summarized in Hebrews 11, 17 through 22. We just read that. The detail of this is in Genesis 22. So if you would turn there, because I'm going to ask you to please follow as we go along with your Bible or your device. The narrative itself, Genesis chapter 22, is one of the most incredible chapters in the whole Bible. Prophetically, and giving to us a picture of what God did in testing Abraham and a picture of what he did in testing us. Now, you couple Genesis 22 with Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, and you have something that I I read these chapters, and all I can do is simply bow my heart, raise my hands, and worship God. the testing of our faith. God appeared to Abraham seven times. The final time was in testing Abraham, Genesis 22. It's not a pass-fail testing. The word means to prove by trial, to prove and perfect our faith with the goal that is genuine. It's the real deal. God loves us the way we are, but he loves us way too much to keep us the way we are. How thankful I am for that. God will test us beyond our human limitations to bring about a faith that is no longer bound by our human limitations. Now, it's important, this little note, to discern between testings and temptations. Temptation comes from our desires within. James tells us that. We're tempted by these things. While testing comes from the Lord with the purpose of purifying and perfecting our faith or our relationship with Him. Warren Wiersbe said this, quote, temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us through our fleshly desires. Testings are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us through our faith in God, unquote. So God tested now, we're going to, Genesis 22, God tested Abraham after these things. Genesis 22, 1. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Abraham had been walking with God for at least 60 plus years. That's a lot of after these things. A lot of things that he had walked him already through. He'd gone through a lot of these things. Abraham was grown, mature, a godly man who God was still testing. Doesn't stop. I want to stop a moment just to speak to my fellow senior citizens, senior, senior uh, kingdom citizens. Don't minimize the time you've had in walking with God. That's the only way that relationship goes deeper is through time and testings. Don't you let Satan rip you off that nothing lies ahead for you from God. you're still, listen, we're still above ground. So God's not done yet. I need all the senior citizens to say amen. amen. There you go. Psalm 92. I was going to do this as a responsive reading, except we, I didn't. <laughs> but Psalm 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in, their, in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness. I will tell you, the more I walk with the Lord, the more I say, he is my rock. There is no other righteousness except his alone. Declare he is upright in all these things. An inscription on a cathedral clock reads this. When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When, as a youth, I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. And later, as I older grew, time flew. Soon I shall find, while traveling on, time gone. I'm going to say to you, not yet, not yet. Abraham was over a 100 years old. We are never too old to face new challenges, fight new battles, and learn new truths. When we stop learning, we stop growing, and when we stop growing, we stop living, unquote, Warren Wearsby. I look at it this way. Anything that is growing is changing. No change, no growth. Charlotte saw this on Facebook. I think yesterday she gave it to me. I made a little... I'll send it to you if you want. By a guy named Alex Cravens, who I don't know, but this is what he wrote. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids, grandkids, because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of the word of God. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change their world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by state, by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person all of history has been placed in the time that they, were, that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. David could handle Goliath. Esther could handle Haman. Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in, in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up, to the challenge. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniels and Davids and Esthers and Peters. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known over all, all over the earth. Don't let your fears steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies, and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them, but they were born for such a time as this. When I read that, I said, wow, what a perspective. That's the truth. Dads, moms, grandparents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we have these little ones that we love to pieces. We have to train them up in the admonition of the Lord in these, with these things in mind. God will be testing them. God will be moving them along. And we want them to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We need to be those examples. We need to be living our lives in the same manner that he's talking about here for our children. The future is as bright as the promises of God. William Carey said that. The future is as bright as the promises of God. So God tested Abraham after these things. God tested Abraham, listen, by name, Abraham personally, individually. The tests that you go through are going to be different than the tests that I go through. God knows my heart and tests me accordingly. God knows the plans he has for me and tests me accordingly, and you too. So my testings and your testings are going to vary greatly in both timing and severity. The tests for a pilot are much different than the tests for a flight attendant. The metal that supports a shelf is much different than that for a bridge. Wherever God has you, wherever he has me, it's personal, it's individual, it's by name. We are only wise when we do not compare ourselves among ourselves. If I can put that another way, We're really dumb when we do. The Lord calls us each by name, and in those in that relationship, His testings take place. He tested Abraham through his love for his son. The greatest testings of God are in the things that we love the most, the people that we love the most. By the way, this word "love" first time in the Bible. Testings, first time in the Bible. Testings, love, and the, other, the third word is worship. Those three words, first time in this narrative. It's the love of a father for a son, not a wife for a husband, not a parent for a child, but a father for a son. And I believe it's giving to us this incredible insight into the love that the Father has for us and the love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have in all eternity if there's only one person, there can be no love. But we have the Trinity, which is profound just in of itself. But I'll tell you, this passage in John 17, as I was memorizing this chapter a while back, it so struck me, Jesus' prayer to end the chapter. Father, I desire they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they also may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. What Jesus is praying is, may they understand and be in the love that is the glory of God. Jesus, in the fir- this is the first time in the Old Testament, Genesis, but in the New Testament, the first time that we hear this word love is when the voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. At Jesus' baptism. So this test is of his willingness to trust God with who he loved. Trust God. Put completely in his hands. Abraham had trusted God for his family. He is separated from Ur of the Chaldees, separated from his nephew Lot, cast out, cast out his firstborn Ishmael, and now it's Isaac. It's the center. Abraham came to know that who he loved, God loved intimately in, and internally more. It's always the case. It's a test of his willingness to trust God for what he had promised. He's, he, he trusted God. He said, hey, if he's got to raise the dead, he'll do it. Abraham went to the place. This place of what? Testing. So Abraham, verse three, Genesis 22, rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went into the place of which God, God had went to the place of which God had told him. He didn't miss a beat. He just did it. He got prepared. And knowing where he's going, he's prepared in his heart to travel 30-plus miles and sacrifice his son to God, in obedience to God. Donald Barnhouse said this, quote, When we obey God without question, we confess that we are finite and He infinite. We acknowledge that He has all knowledge and that we have no wisdom. We show by our obedience that we believe He is good that his plans are, the, are best for us, that he is full of grace and loving kindness, that in every way he is wonderful, good, wise, and loving, unquote. What a way to approach what Abraham is facing. He not only went to the place, but he saw the place afar of off verse, on the third day, verse 4. So in Abraham's mind, he sees it the third day, and he, for three days, he's contemplating the death of his son overwhelming to think what was going on in his mind. Why? Because of love. But trusting God. He was prepared in his heart, but he was also pained in his heart. Those two go together. Pained in his heart, Isaac, his son, his only begotten son, he's going to offer to God. And so as they're making their way toward this place, this place that God determined the place of sacrifice and death, it brought Abraham into the deepest fellowship possible, and that is the fellowship of suffering. Philippians, Paul wrote, that I may know him. In the Greek, the word is by experience. And the power of his resurrection, not just of mine, but by experience, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, yeah, yeah, and the fellowship of his suffering, suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Listen, Paul wanted to know more and more the price that Jesus paid for the forgiveness of his sin. He wanted to know that. He wanted to embrace that. He wanted, in the depths of his heart, what was needed for the purchase of his pardon, that's why you read Paul's writings. I'm the chief of sinners. I, wasn't even, I shouldn't even be saved. God should have just put me aside. So he wants to go into that, the suffering servant willing to lay down his life for Saul's sin, for Paul's sin. To know more deeply the perfection and purity and spotlessness of the Lamb of God. He took away the sin of the world. That depth comes through suffering. Suffering comes because of sin. Rebelling against God and all these things. And when we begin to embrace that, begin to go in. We understand more and more than we ever have. Our sin, our sin was very costly. But the love of God paid the price. He also wanted to know more and more the power of an endless life. Who lives and was dead, and behold, he's alive forevermore, and he has the keys of Hades and of death. Revelation. He wants to know that. And so do we. The depths and widths and length and height. To know God in the depths. And this is what testing does. It takes us deeper with God. Through suffering. Psalm 22 bids us into this fellowship of his sufferings, the cross. Some believe Jesus quoted Psalm 22 in its entirety from the cross. And so what happened when he's on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, he's calling for Elijah. No, 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 he's pointing you to Psalm 22. The great Bible, the great love letter with this chapter hundreds of years before, saying this is what I'm going to do in the sacrifice of my son. And from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my, why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, we're entering into holy ground, into a holy place where the Son of God is speaking to the Father, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's dealing with the suffering, he's dealing with all that he's going through in order that our sin might be forgiven. The Son of God reminding us of the sacrifice. He says, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear in the night season and not silent. But you are holy, you who inhabit the praise of Israel. I'm a worm and a man, a reproach and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me, they shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, since he delights in him. And that's what, it's just what happened at the cross in reality as they mocked the Son of God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There's none to help. None to help. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joy. They pierced my hands and my feet. The sufferings. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. And then we read this, For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And from my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword. Save me from the lion's mouth. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God through faith in him. That's what was going on on that cross. It's the son of God and the sacrifice of God, the promised sacrifice. And so verse 5 of Genesis 22, they went to worship. They went to worship, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. First time, worship. It means to bow down, submission to God. And we will come back to you. Not I will come back. We will come back to you. Abraham believed there would be a resurrection according to the promises of God. They went together. This is powerful. They went together. Verses 6 through 8. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So powerful is this next verse, it must be understood as it's written. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide not for himself, God will provide himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 2,000 years later, in that exact spot, Jesus was hung on a cross and died. The lamb who takes away the sin of the world. In that place, the Lord will provide the great provision of God. And then in verse 9 and 10, they come to the place. And they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Isaac is probably 30 plus years old right now. He could have fought that. said, I'm not doing that. What are you kidding? No hint even of that. The submission of Isaac to his father's will is the same submission we see in the glories of the love of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. God's love, willingly laying down, willingly doing what he did for you and for me. Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. Now, this altar was the cross. Here it's Abraham and Isaac. But the altar we're talking about is the altar of the cross. And God the Father was not some distant spectator. The two of them went together. So we read in John chapter 12, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, Jesus said, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that, it it had thundered. Others said, an angel spoke to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me. He's not wondering quite. This came, he said, for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This, he said, signifying by what death he was to die. Abraham did not withhold his son, his only son from God. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hands on the lad, or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son. So what does God do? He stays the hand of Abraham. Testing accomplished what God was desiring. He did not withhold his only son from God. He trusted him for who he loved and what he promised. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering notice instead of his son. The great substitute sacrifice was a ram then, but not a lamb. The lamb would come later in the person of Jesus Christ. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. God did not stay his own hand in providing for us his son. The full wrath of God poured out on his son that we might be forgiven and the mercy of God released. God provided the great instead offering of Jesus there on Mount Moriah. If you go to Isaiah 53, not now, but I would just read that, but there you have God not withholding his own son. The prophetic picture of that. In chapter 52, leading up to it, it says, Behold, my servant shall deal very prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled to me very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man in his form, more than sons of men. Literally, Jesus was crucified. He was beat so mercilessly you couldn't even recognize him as a human being. And then it goes into Psalm 53. He's despised and rejected. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, wounded for our transgressions. God laid him the iniquity of us all. He was cut off from the land of the living. That means a violent death. He was cut off from the land of the living, crucified, sacrificed on the cross. But then he says, God shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. It's exactly what the gospel is. So Abraham obeyed God. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven, first time to stay his hand, second time to reward Abraham's obedience and remind him of his promises. And he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, singular, Galatians points that out. Abraham, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Galatians 3.16. He does not say as to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, right here. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you obeyed my voice. Testing complete. Obedience to God and the rewards that come. So they return, verse 19, together. His young men, they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So the love of God who promises the Father, the sacrifice God promised in the Son, and then the blessings God promises of the Spirit. So as we continue in this passage, In Hebrews chapter 11, we come into now by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph. They are connected by faith in the promises of God. The blessings of Abraham were passed on for generation generation to generation to generation to generation and still are being passed on. It's interesting that these blessings of Abraham were passed on Through the second born. The second birth, if you will. Beautiful picture. Not Esau, but Jacob. Not Manasseh, but Ephraim. The blessings of Abraham, the blessings that we have, God's promised blessings, are for those who are born again by the Spirit of God. The second birth. Born once, die twice born twice, die once physically. So Jesus said, we know it well, but let me read it. You read with me. Jesus said, answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless it's born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so it is everyone who's born in the spirit. Well, as you can see, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. When someone's born again by the Spirit of God, it their lives are different. A 12-year-old boy became a Christian during a revival. The next week at school, his friends questioned him about the experience. Did you see a vision? asked one friend. Did you hear God speak? asked another. The the youngster answered no to all these questions. Well, how did you know you were saved, they asked. The boy searched for an answer and finally said, it's like when you catch a fish. You can't see the fish or hear the fish. You just feel him tugging on your line. I just felt God tugging on my heart. I heard yesterday, or yes, yesterday, or no, Thursday, I guess, is in our senior prayer meeting, the woman there turned her heart over to the Lord. We're praying. We're seeing this happen. We're praying that God will move more and more to where we see people coming to this saving faith and being born again by the Spirit of God. The blessings that come with that. So Isaac, it says, by faith, verse 20, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So in Isaac, we have the blessings of a future hope and the promises that accompany it. Isaac, the blessings of a future hope and the promises, all of them, that accompany it. He blessed Jacob and Esau, but unrepentant Esau forfeited the blessing. He sold out to his own sinful desires and exchanged his soul for a morsel of food. They're there, this blessing of a future hope, the promises that accompany it. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believe that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we have Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Do you know why Jacob was leaning on the top of his staff? Because Jacob wrestled with the angel. And in that wrestling there, God changed his name from Jacob, conniver, to Israel, governed by God. But as he left that encounter with God, that wrestling with God, he left with a limp that remained the rest of his life. That's why he's leaning on the top of the staff. But that encounter was in his infirmities in his flesh. He then found victory with God in the Spirit. His crippling in the flesh was his crowning in the Spirit. His weakness in the flesh was his strength in the Spirit. So that strength, that weakness, that crowning, is all him on the top of staff and worshiping God. Paul said, I glory in my infirmities. Because in my weakness, his strength is perfected. Jacob, the blessings of a changed life. have you found that? The blessings of a changed life and the worship that envelops it. I'll tell you when there's those moments that you have with the Lord, I have with the Lord, and you realize what God has done. <laughs> All my life, He has been faithful. All my life, he's been so, so good. You look back and surely goodness and mercy is what's following. And all you can do is bow your head and lift up your hands and worship God. That's Jacob. That's Jacob. He said at one point, all these things are against me but has no idea that right around the corner he's going to see Joseph who he assumed was dead for many, many years. All these things are against me. They took Joseph, now they're going to have Benjamin and and yet right around the corner he begins. And so Jacob, no wonder, he's worshiping God, leaning on the staff and blessing as he did. And I'll tell you, a changed life is such a powerful testimony in the lives of other people that see it. And then we have, finally, the blessings by faith. Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Jacob, it's the blessings of a future deliverance and the resurrection that finalizes it. A future deliverance and the resurrection that finalizes it. Joseph knew his instructions were such that when God promised to deliver them, when that happened, they're going to take his bones along with them. 2 Corinthians. For we are, who are in this tent grown. How many of you are groaning today? In this tent. We have a future deliverance, a resurrection that will finalize all that God has promised, all that God has done for us in the resurrection. We are in this groan being burdened not because we want to be unclothed but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he has prepared us for this very thing as God who has also given us what? The spirit as a guarantee. So we're always confident, comp- knowing that while we're absent from the, when we're present in the body, we're absent from the Lord but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How's he not? The spirit of God. Ephesians, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of In other words, God said, he's mine and I will raise him up in the last day. I believe the promises of God enough to venture an eternity on them. Isaac Watts, unquote. Would you stand? Let's pray if the worship team could come up. So, Lord, we thank you again. I'm thankful. Privilege of bringing your word and thinking through your word and considering your word. But, Lord, unless you take and put it right where it needs to be in the work that you're doing in my heart, put it right where it needs to be in the work that you're doing in our hearts, Lord. Revealing the intense thoughts and motives of our lives and our minds. Lord, unless you do that, we're going to walk out of here nothing different. But I believe, Lord, that through your spirit, you're speaking to us, you're encouraging us, you're feeding us, you're strengthening us. And I ask, Lord, that now, in just this closing worship song, that we might glorify you and worship you and bow our head and raise our hands as we would, say, Lord, you are worthy. The only one who is. And we're going to do that, Lord, in worshiping you and trusting you and obeying you and all these things.